Hey, everybody, and welcome to That Will Never Work. But before we start, just want to remind everybody that if you want to be a guest on the show, just come to markrandolph.com to apply. But if you just want to chat or if you have any comments about the show, I invite you to join me on the That Will Never Work Discord. You'll find an invitation to join at the website. Just how Earth-friendly are all the Earth-friendly laundry detergents you hear about? Well, according to today's guest, Justine Potashnik, not very. But she's got a better solution. It's a 100% organic laundry detergent formulated from the soap berry. She thinks it cleans as well or better than any other detergent out there. The problem is, it's also more expensive. So can she command a premium price in this category? Well, that's what we'll be exploring today. Hi, I'm Mark Randolph, co-founder of Netflix and six other companies. Over the years, I've heard that will never work thousands of times, but I've learned there are things we all can do to increase the chances that they will. So join me for That Will Never Work. Justine, welcome to That Will Never Work. Thanks so much for having me here. This is such a funny story, but two years ago, my mentor, who's a monk named Om Swami, gave me your book to read. And it was just when I was forming the company, and he said, this needs to be the book that will, you should read and will change your way of thinking. And I devoured it. I completely <laughs> devoured it. And what I found really fascinating were all the stories. But because I was coming to you today, I thought, let's reread it. And when I reread it, I resonated with so many of your stories because I'm going through a lot of the same now. Uh, and I connected to a building of the company, a building of the team, understanding uh, the pitfalls of fundraising, um, just laughing along the way because humor is everything. Well, I'm so glad to hear that because it's great to hear that I'm actually popular in the monk community. But I'm glad that it brought us together because it certainly uh, was perfect timing. So what can I help you with today? So, um, well, my past has influenced the present and I was in the fashion industry. Um, I always made things, products, and I worked with fabric. And as you may or may not know, fashion is one of the most polluting industries. And I never really thought about just how polluting it is. And creating fabric and what it was, what was embedded in that fabric. So how that fabric affected the skin. Um, the skin is the largest organ in our bodies and how that fabric was washed, what it was washed in. Um, where did that water go? It was never, ever on my mind. And uh, one day after I had made something, I had trouble washing it and I had to find a solution. And it put me on this deep, deep rabbit hole of a path and I fell into really discovering a very simple truth that the cleaning industry itself is a very dirty and toxic industry and I had trouble finding a solution to my problem and I came across a soap berry and the soap berry became uh, a journey that I never thought I'd be on and uh, here I am today. So got more uh, influenced by a Tibetan uh, product. 
Well, it's actually a Himalayan. Uh, it's a, a berry that's been used throughout India, Nepal, and China for thousands and thousands of years. So its inherent properties are healing and cleaning. And it's a fully biodegradable. And so this berry, uh, the more I understood, the more I realized that it was a solution to some very big problems that we have. So this is this comes down to that the soap berry was the the uh, the spark that said uh, there's a better way to do this. Yes, and that it's the future, understanding how to co-create with nature and find solutions that are innovative and to really come up with something to lead us into the next generation of cleaning. So uh, those of you who are watching this, they're sitting on the table in between uh, Justine and I is a little pile of something, which I, when I first walked in, I thought perhaps a ferret had left some, a little present for us. But I guess these are in fact soap berries. So these are in fact soap berries. And what they they're basically all... look like giant rabbit turds for those of you who are just listening. Very nice description. Well, First I, one, I can, I'll use that in marketing. I mean, that's come from my writing background. Oh yeah, well I, you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a quintessential marketer. Well, it's kind of a cross between a deer turd and a rabbit turd. It's kind of brown. Maybe it's about the size of a, of your thumbnail, a big thumbnail. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting, no, I'm getting a little it. deeply into it. Uh, but anyway, so can I yes. pick one up? Yes, of course. So and they, they come off the tree like this or are they dried? So they come off the tree. These are very dry, but in essence, what they are, we like to say they're mother nature's soap. And right. um, what we did, so the company, uh, we've created a proprietary plant extraction from this berry. And this berry, like we say, is mother nature's soap. So it has inherent properties and we're able to extract of about 80 to 90% of what's known as its uh, natural saponin. Um, and that is um, what's used. It's nature's surfactant, right. in essence. And th this is going to sound like a silly question. Does it work as well as uh, Tide? Um, it's interesting you ask that particular question. So we have an extraction that's called advanced soap berry formula. And in our third-party tests, we actually used Tide. Um, and several other brands, and we actually stand up to it to about 99% as effective, um, which is extraordinary. Um, my co-founder is a chemical engineer who's brilliant, and we've been working on this for a long time. So you've kind of invented this product, which is almost indistinguishably as effective as a commercially available laundry detergent. Oh, yeah. I but mean, is 100% natural? It's a hundred percent plant-based, um, which is, um, it's, there's nothing cleaner. Um, and what's really exciting is that it's actually fully circular manufacturing process. So, uh, there are no chemicals, there's no alcohol. Um, it is, uh, really what's wonderful is that it has these natural, um, properties that are great for people with skin conditions. Um, so we've really uncovered a lot of wonderful advantages to using this. So I know that, I mean, I, I, I listen, I, I think the last time I bought laundry detergent was sometime in the Reagan administration or something like that. But I did, I do know that there are other products that either use soap berries or are soap berries. I mean, 
people throw throw the berries into the laundry. Is that? Yeah, that's, I'm so impressed you know this. So um, it's, yes, um, and that's the DIY way. So if you take a soap berry, uh, you can throw it into the washing machine. You can boil them. And that's when I was in this process, my kitchen turned into a science lab <laughs> because I had to learn. I was boiling berries. I was, and when I saw how fast they got the dirt out, I mean, I'm a clean person. And when I saw that scarf lifted out of water and the streak of dirt lying there, I was like, I am getting into this business. And, okay. So you got into the business, right? But what was so amazing is, so when you boil the berries or you use them in a sock, it's maybe about 20%, 10% of the saponin is released from the uh. berry. Um, when you see it in another product, uh, let's say another cleaning product, it may be about 30% roughly. Um, no one has been able to make it as efficacious as our ASF. And that's the difference. So um, that's what makes it so powerful and able to stand up to the traditional and green brands. Fantastic. Yeah. So tell me how far along you are. So um, we decided because this, our ingredient can be used across home, personal and pet care, anything that actually uses what's known as a surfactant. Um, we decided to test it in one product, um, our laundry pod. Uh, and that was in our company, Nature First. So we decided, okay, let's test the market. Let's see what people are interested in. Let's put it in a compostable bag. Let's try to market this in a way that no one has ever seen before. Um, and, and that's what we did. And so this um, is our laundry pod. So this is actually the finished product. And um, we have found through our testing uh, with retail, both retail, we've done um, work with hotels, um, we've found this to really be a solution for people who have uh, skin conditions, for people who, pregnant women. Um, it, it's really taken people into another way of considering how they work with a product, how the product affects them and their family, and how they're contributing to bettering the environment. So you're, you're, you're manufacturing these or you're getting them, you have an actual product. Yeah. Uh, you're actually selling them. Yeah. You're selling them direct to consumer. You're selling them wholesale. Or you're doing both. We're or? doing both. Uh, we built and we launched during COVID. So I had just shipped a whole bunch of retailers and the bounces, the bounces, the FedEx boxes were stuck uh, and all the stores were closed and we had to build the business from, um, you know, far away. And so it was very exciting because I solicited all these stores. I wrote to Target, I wrote to Sprouts, I wrote to uh, Thrive, everyone, and pitched, and everyone wanted to try the product. And I learned so much. I learned that uh, it was the product their customers were looking for, uh, they bought it, and they've still been testing it, and um, we're ready right now to really scale. Um, but what I understood was that I had to pull back a little bit because we weren't ready for the big time and we didn't have all the products ready. And because it's been self-funded to date, it's been really challenging to uh, expand this the way it would need to going into the market. So what can I help you with today? Well, we have found that we really have a chance. We have a chance to compete against the big guys, uh, the big names. And what we're trying to understand is through margins, how can we 
compete? Um, should we take a lower margin to get on shelf? How do we market ourselves um, and be able to play that game, knowing that as we scale, we'll be able to uh, adjust? You know, we'll have plans for volume, and that will completely change the game for us. Um, but the question really is, how do we compete at this level? Um, and how well do you understand what motivates, um, I mean, everyone buys laundry detergent, I assume, um, or it's huge, huge, huge category. So I imagine there's all kinds of subsets to it. And I imagine that there's pretty much a product that fits neatly into almost every price category anyway. There's disc bargain, yeah. there's premium. Um, do you really understand those different markets and what motivates those people? We do. And we know it's, we know that it like this, it starts niche. It starts with the people who really want to make the change. Um, and we know that it can fit in that in between the more green, let's say marketed as green brand, um, companies. So, um, and again, there's a certain price ceiling, uh, at the stores because we don't want to go into this super duper uh, premium level. Um, right. And the way to really break in is to be um, priced well. So, um, and that, that means, you know, are we 30% higher? Do we take that cut just to be able to um, get through all the doors? So you said you sold direct. Do you have a website? We do. Mm -hmm. And you're selling an e-commerce. And are you doing any reasonable kind of volume there? No, because we had only produced a limited amount. Okay. Um, and we targeted and reached the kinds of people we wanted to through our retail sales. Right. So we've been in test mode, um, developing our SKUs, developing the laundry, developing the dish pod. Um, we have all of our other products sort of quietly waiting there for. So, so I don't know, for example, what does a single Tide Pod cost? A Tide Pod. Pod costs could range from sixteen to eighteen cents. That's their cost to manufacture it. Or oh, that's I don't the, know what they're. they're that's what they sell it for. That's what they sell it for. And what do you sell sell yours for? Um, we're roughly fifty cents. So about so, fifty cents versus about eighteen cents. Right, and then okay. in between, um, Tide and us would be some of the green brands, and that's around twenty-one to thirty-one cents. Okay, I get it. All right, so you're kind of a super premium or a premium product. Correct. I get it. Correct. Uh, and what's your manufacturing cost on it? Um, our manufacturing cost is, um, or you want, you can give me a specific if you don't, if you don't want to, but I mean, is it, is it, do you, is it close? Is it less or more than 55 cents? Oh, it's less. Of course. Yes. It's you have much a lot less. of, you have a lot of room or a little bit of room. Oh no, we have, we have significant room. We absolutely do. I mean, we would not be put it this way. We wouldn't be losing money, um, at all by doing it, but in the CPG business, they always, um, you know, investors like to see it, it hit a certain uh, margin in order to be considered. But again, you know, we're one of those companies that's really disrupting. And so in order to disrupt, you have to come in and play that very competitive game for a period in order to be seen as, uh, you know, in order to break in. It's interesting because um, I'm going back and forth on two things. It's such a big category that it strikes me, and I think you even mentioned this, that you can pick a pretty small niche 
and uh, be successful there and still have a very, very big business and a very, very tiny uh, piece of it. You're fortunate. I mean, what is the, I mean, the total market for laundry products in the U.S. must be hundreds of billions of dollars. I mean, yeah. it's, it's huge, it's right? It's huge. It's huge. In other words, even, and even each, is Tide the, uh, the number one brand? So there's basically, if you look at Tide, Tide is around, let's say, 20, 18, 20 cents. Okay. You have uh, the seventh generations of the world, which are about, you know, 30 cents. And then you have, the, you know, a couple of in between there. And then we're at that next range at like 50 cents. All right. And, but I mean, so is Tide the dominant player in this, in this space? I mean, it's a conventional player. So we don't look at Tide because we could never compete with Tide. We only know that Tide. Well, my point is you can is that I'm just picking Tide because sure. that's a name people have heard sure. of, and it's and it's probably if it's the biggest, it's huge, huge, huge. And my thing is you can compete. You can absolutely compete with Tide. That um, it, because they're so big, they cannot defend every category, every niche that's in the market. That it's that one. I've called it the one percent um, uh, problem. Which is that you take a, I mean, the, the classic one is people talk about Salesforce, you know, in the software business. And, mm, and mm-hmm. you know, they're huge. And you take 1% of them, of their business, and you've got a multi $100 million business. Sure. Um, and it isn't like they can defend every single one of their 1% businesses, or they can't put all their best resources on it. And I think the same thing goes for the laundry market. My point is that, that, being priced comparably to someone in that space doesn't make a difference because that's not why someone, in my opinion, is going to buy or not buy your product. That no matter what little category of cross tab of, of features and price you hit, you're going to have a huge business, no matter how small it is. I mean, I know you said I don't want to be the super premium, but even if you genuinely are this almost as effectively, as effective as a um, earth-unfriendly, skin-unfriendly product. Right. Um, and you have an all-natural one that no one's going to make the decision on, oh, but it's, I still want this thing because it's cheaper, is my, is my gut feeling. Mm. That it, that's not your dominant thing. If you had sat me down and said, What's unbelievable about the soapberry is that these things, they just pick them up with a bulldozer and they're free. And I can make a t- pod that's a six cents that retails for five cents. Then we'll be going, I'll be going, and he goes, it doesn't work very well, but it's damn cheap. That's a different story. Then right. of course you play the price game and you take advantage of your advantage. Your advantage is not that. In my opinion, I, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me to play that the price game. Um, and not just because of the fact that you have better margins to show, but the fact that it says something also about your product, that it's truly different. And the people who really want that are going to pay that. Is it going to get you everybody in the category? Are there going to be people who really would like to have a healthy skin and not pollute the planet, but are broke? Yes. But are there enough people who have the resources? I cannot believe there aren't millions of people who'd be interested in that, who have the capacity to pay extra for it. And all you have to do is walk through the aisles of a whole food supermarket to know that that market is big and robust, that people will happily pay, uh, you know, $7 for a lemon, mm-hmm. uh, 
when they can get seven for a dollar uh, that are, uh, you know, commercially monocrop, you know, somewhere else because they want the quality. And well, y yes, can you sell more? You'll, more lemons get sold. Boy, I'm going down a path. I don't know much about lemons, but I know conceptually that more of them get sold at the seven for a dollar. Someone can make a tremendous business out of the, the, uh, the $7 lemon because it's so much better and there's a lot of people who want that. And at the end, it's all about efficacy uh, and what it's bringing to that person. You know, how that person is benefiting from using a product like this and um, what you may or may not know um, are some wild stats uh, about this industry and about, uh, for example, um, over 60% of women are pregnant women are exposed to endodisruptive chemicals um, and that really can harm uh, infants. Right. And um, one in four Americans um, suffer from skin disease. So from what? Skin diseases. Okay. And uh, it's, it's such an opportunity to target all of these people because they're looking for a solution. True. But I'm just saying, slow your, uh, slow your boats here. That <laughs> I love the excitement, but you're building a business and your business is tiny. Uh, so do not, and maybe you're excited that you can clean the world, but just for the next year or two, crush the one category you have and focus really carefully on that one category. And that one category has to be, hypothetically, is the people who really want this and can afford to pay for it. And if there's a lot of them, great. But for, because the problem is, if you begin saying, I really think I can solve world's problems here, that yes, you have to lower the price. Um, and that puts a greater dependence early on on fundraising because your margins are smaller and you have to convince people, uh, no, I'll make it up in volume. Just think how big this is. We're getting, a, which you could potentially do. You also have to begin sacrificing what you can afford to invest in your R&D, what you can afford to invest in your quality control. I mean, you, 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 these, these big companies, and, you know, I, used, I know a bunch of people who are uh, brand managers for, you know, P&G, and they get these, these huge arguments about the chemical number 73 on the list of 96 chemicals, and they're going, well, if we just eliminate this chemical, uh, no one's going to notice. But what could bring, you know, 50, they can play that game and you don't want to play that game. You want to do everything you possibly can to make it as good as you want. And without worrying about, I've got to hit a certain margin number. And you're right. People do want to, investors do want to understand, and that's not just in, in consumer packaged goods, but in any business, they want to understand that you have a sustainable product at scale, that it has reasonable margins and coming in at a higher price makes, takes so much pressure off you. Um, of trying to demonstrate that, oh, I'm trying to be priced down at the tide level. I know I'm not competing right. with them. Right. I, I want to price at that level. But believe me, once we're selling to all the skin disease, just know that they're going to see you as a fantasist. Say right now, every product I sell, even though I'm, I, I have no efficiencies in my manufacturing, I have no efficiency in my marketing, everything costs me more and I'm still making X in margin. And it's because this product is so good, I can afford to sell it for a high price and people are still buying it for a high price. Um, but yeah. there is a don't be stupid element to this. Um, there is elasticity um, in this business. Uh, 
probably less so than in the dominant part of the business. Um, and you, because you're selling direct, have incredible tools to understand that to a very, very high degree. And if you're not, you should be doing tremendous price sensitivity analysis on the website right mm -hmm. now because the difference in small variations in your pricing probably make a big difference in your, uh, in your response rates. But my guess is that you can probably be pretty high in price. And because of it's so, because of the positioning of it, the brand positioning of it, shouldn't be a problem. This is not going to be a price sensitive product, at least not now. Mm -hmm. Come back and we'll talk in three years. Right. And then you're going to go, hey, I, you know, we've got the nature first, but now we've got nature. I can't think of a catchy name off the top of my head. But we have yeah. the one which is in fact priced economically. We still have our premium <laughs> pointing at these little, yeah. little turds here. We still have our premium product, uh, which still goes for 70 or 80 cents a pod. But now we're announcing, and then you, you, the world is yours, you know? But right. start by nailing a niche. Start by going after something and focusing really, really narrow positioning because that's the one thing that all these other players won't be able to touch. They won't be able to compete with you because they're not going to want to. They go, we're spending all of our dollars, all of our time. When I go into the supermarket, and I have my reps and they have mm -hmm. 10,000 more reps than you'll ever have in the supermarket fighting for the end caps and the shelf space. They're going to be fighting for the 600 feet, which is going to the big jugs with the right. Tide Pods in it. Right. And you're going to be the overwhelming force fighting for those two feet at the end, which is the nature products. And those are the natural product. And those are still $100 million per brand businesses. And what do you think about strategic partnerships in this space? Don't know the space well enough to know specifically. Mm -hmm. I love strategic partnerships. Right. That's something that's been out on our mind a lot because for us, we really believe that innovation has to happen. You know, we, we've come up with something proprietary that we think really has a chance because it works. Um, and we know that it has to become um, widespread. You know, right. we, we, we believe that this is the future of how people engage in cleaning everything. So we would love to, the idea of strategic partnerships with other brands. Give me an example. Um, so my, because my co-founder's a chemical engineer, um, we can formulate. So we could formulate for another company, uh, let's say, um, it could even be like a Mrs. Myers, you know, who would want to do a, a kind of product that they haven't thought of before. Um, we could work with a company like Allbirds, who's one of my all-time heroes, um, to develop um, because they also have apparel. So there are different ways that we could come into the market and become a bit more known um, with the kinds of people who uh, would be interested in this. So I think it's unique in the sense of um, it's unique um, because. Uh, what about not being a CPG business at all? What is that? And what in other words, all you're selling is your formula. Uh, because we felt that that was something we've considered. Um, we felt Talk about that margins. <laughs> we've, we, we felt that we wanted to be very consumer focused uh, because we 
knew that's where it needs to start and not be something that was hidden within um, an ingredient deck. Um, it, we've considered that a lot and that might be something to come up with again because of uh, price point um, and how much other companies were willing to pay for an ingredient. Um, it's, it is a conversation we've had internally, but um, we netted out that we wanted the direct communication with the consumer, explaining it in our vernacular, um, because we have a deep, res we really have a deep understanding of what this product can do to people and planet. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about the strategic partnership conceptually is a great idea. I just worry, just listening, that you, it, it potentially is defocusing unless you have, unless you have a single objective you want for the next short term, and then you're lining these things up as tactics that drive that single mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas, but for example, trying to be a a player in this partnerships and, and simultaneously a wholesale business and simultaneously a direct consumer business hard enough to get one of those to work. Absolutely. So just be uh Oh, I'm thinking of the Canada principle. Be careful. Don't worry. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, <laughs> right. no, but this is, no, these are just ideas, which, and the one thing I know how to do is to hold back. It's more <laughs> of like strategically thinking about rollout and, and understanding growth and having that map, because I know that's what, Investors want to know and see that you have a plan, right. not necessarily doing it at one time because it's impossible to focus. Right. And you're at the, you're the, on the verge of raising money. Is that what I'm, That's correct. Uh, what I'm gathering? That's correct. And so it's been a really exciting period because we've learned that we're much more than the CPG brand. And we've uh, really decided to focus on the nature first as an environmental technology company because we can innovate. And we can really create ingredients to um, supplement um, what's being used now across. So the money you raise is going to go for to to do what? Um, some innovation uh, product product uh, manufacturing because right. um, it's been self funded and we're running out of inventory. Right. So we need to develop um, the the next round of manufacturing. But I've fortunately I'm can be convincing and I've create I've convinced some significant uh, co-packers to work with us. So we're really tied with very, very reliable people. So it's, it's quite exciting to be the small fish in this big sea of big companies producing. Yeah. Well, it's really exciting. It sounds like you're, you're, you're onto something. Um, and why don't you hold up your bit, the uh, product here. So those of us who are watching can actually see what it looks like. There it is. So this is our, do not um, eat these. Do not eat these. That's a, I'm, I'm getting that right out there because I don't yes, want to have do any kind of liability, these. even though they're pods yeah. and they're natural. And nothing will happen to you if you eat it, but don't eat it. Don't eat it. Um, this is our uh, first run packaging that we made with uh, compostable packaging. And now we've changed it because we got a lot of good advice from Whole Foods and um, Target to um, focus on how to compete with our graphics and... Uh, while we sit next to the big people on the shelf. Oh, cool. Yeah. In terms of, what, I'm curious, were they saying color? That's what they um, want to see? So Bright we learned- pinks and greens and like well, these I, detergents? All I, they said, we don't want to cramp your design aesthetic, but <laughs> um, brown does not sell on the shelf. 
Um, it's really about having something um, a bit shinier, um, but really having to convey it in a different way. So this did, this could have been a you know dog bones inside. No one would have, you know, it's the same bag you could use for granola. So we really had to really recreate good it. point, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So I, listen, it was a test. It was a test. Does it work in the market? Let's learn. And we learned a lot. And that's why I'm glad we never raised, um, until now because. Yeah. For the people who are just, uh, who are just listening, it's a, it does look like a bag that granola would yeah. come in. In or, fact, it even has a little picture on the front of some of the granola nuts that you might, uh, you might find. Right. But I, it's really interesting. Thank and you. And those people can teach, can, can teach us a lot about what actually sells on the shelf, which is that There'd be a whole nother interesting uh, podcast to do is uh, oh packaging packaging it's like and get someone in to help with packaging. Well, cool. Well, this has been really really uh, interesting. I've certainly learned a lot about. Uh, <laughs> now I've got to go home and go see what I'm using on my clothes. And, oh well, hopefully you'll be using nature first. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, Justine, I can't wait to hear more about how this goes once you uh, once you start scaling things up. So maybe we can catch up again, and I don't know. Uh, six months a year and I'll get a I'll get part two once you get back from your retreat oh, up in the mountains to find some more wisdom I wish no retreat for me <laughs> <laughs> well good luck thank you I'm always a fan of products and services that align with my environmental values so I genuinely hope that Justine can follow my advice and make her product successful but if you'd like to get advice about something Come to my website and apply to be a guest on the That Will Never Work podcast. You'll also be able to get an invite to my Discord, as well as sign up for the newsletter. And finally, you'll find all the links to follow me on social. I'll see you there. group.